This show is part of the Darkmore Podcast Network. To join our community Discord or see more content from our members, visit darkmorepodcasts.com. My name is Zach, and I play Alaris Dream, a half-high-elf bladesinger wizard, scholar of the Weaver's Guild, and a keeper of reflection. My name is Yessi, and I play Grimton Steadyhand, a fighter, paladin of Bahamut, special legionnaire of the Pandominion, and revolutionary in the Red Capes. My name is Steven, and I play Urshan Bethethnosh, a red dragonborn cleric of the Twilight Domain, representative of the EWU, and a part of the Lace Battalion. My name is Sarah, and I play Agnar Elfbreaker, an orc barbarian and the first daughter of the late Jarl, Skold of Indelfilk, killed by the warlord Gleb Headtaker. And this is Advantage. Advantage. As you tramp down the trail through the boreal forest to the Jarl's hunting lodge, you're amazed by the trees here. They grow tall and ancient, much like they did in the watched forest. Grimton, you see some similarities with the much timber region of her dearth, the subalpine forest growing along the heaving beck. Both are piney and coniferous, but the trees here are straighter and taller, not bent and crooked like those in the mountains that struggle to survive the harshness of the fierce freezing winds that rip through the valley. Agnar, you can visually tell that this taiga is on the lee side of the growing season. The fireweed blooms are wilted and gone, no longer their bright magenta that they have been during the summer months. You can see that the bilberries have almost been picked clean by the porcupines and birds, and that those that are still on the shrubs are black and overripe. If your mother was still Jarl, you could expect the longhouse stores to be flush with jars of lingonberry jams at this point. Gen is there waiting for you, right where you expected her, on the rocky banks of a brook where you would play alone as young children during the hunt. This was a place that only the pair of you knew about, keeping it secret from other jealous siblings. Gen has poached a deer and has a cut roasting on a spit as you approached. Ah, oh, there you are. I was hoping you'd get here before they did. We don't have a lot of time. I expect that the recon here will be in a few hours to make sure everything is on the up and up. How's everything going back in Indelfilk? Well, there what there was a fire. Oh yeah, where? Uh, in the warehouse. There, Agnor. There's so many warehouses. There are. You know, city of warehouses. That's what they call it. Yeah, Endelfilk, the city of warehouses. Right. Well, this was the one uh, by Urshan's apartment. Sorry, Urshan. What happened? Where's the apartment? Well, it's burned down now. Yeah, Urshan just signs, kind of in like a like with small gestures, as if as if uh, the sign language equivalent, I guess, of like saying it kind of in a mumble, but um, just you know, it's burned to the ground now. Oh shit! Are you homeless? Rather than like giving like a proper answer, uh, or, or rather an answer in like sign language proper, he just kind of gives the like, like the kinda, because like I'm staying here temporarily, so I'm not homeless. I just don't have anywhere to stay now. Once Agnar becomes y'all, that's gonna solve a lot of your problems, isn't it? 
Yeah, we have a lot of spare space in the longhouse, so at least we should. Plus, you could literally just bully anybody else out of any other place. I do love to bully. Hey, speaking of which, with this whole assassination thing, we got a number of options. Some are quiet, some are loud. Hear the quiet ones. You ready? Mm-hmm. I've been doing a lot of thinking, so I got a, a whole slew of different potentials, and I was just waiting on your say-so. Number one, we're subtle. We break in at night and kill them all execution style. What I like about this one is kind of poetic, given that, you know, Gleb killed mother like that. Number two, we set up a whole bunch of booby traps. This one is complicated. This would require the recon group to go in, make sure everything's clear, then send their runner back to the longhouse. Then we come in, we kill the remainder, and rig up the traps in the house. Mm. The home alone method. Okay. I'm a free. A quick arrow to the head while out hunting. He'll have a couple of companions and probably Fang, but those can be taken care of easily enough. Then you return to the lodge with Rook's head, and then the rest of the Heard drop to their knees and pledge you fealty. Those are the, qu the quiet ones. Is the lad, you ready? The opposite of those is just a brazen slaughter. Maybe we hide in the woods till dark, then barricade the doors while they're all inside drinking, and light the whole cabin on fire. I would personally like to keep the hunting cabin around. The biggest cost of that one is losing the cabin. Number the next. We could ambush the party on their way in. Maybe we stop the wagons and the horse, and then you come out and you challenge Iron Tusk directly. Maybe he'll take you on one-on-one, -on -one. but he's been a coward in the past, and I'm sure it would result in him sicking the head after you instead of him actually challenging you. Finally, to laugh. Maybe we can make some sort of mine and blow up the whole entourage on the way in. But now I'm just kind of like, I don't know, thinking out loud. No matter what, we know that Fang will be a part of the party. And I'd rather not inadvertently kill our kid sister. We can also bet that the lawgiver, Braggy Crow Eyes, and a pair of warriors will be at the, in charge of the longhouse while Rook is gone. In total, I count about, I don't know, nine, 10 on the way. Maybe two of those in the scouting party, then Iron Tusk, Fang, and probably a concubine four of the here later. What do you think? I don't think it's a good look for us to just murder a, a bunch of our own people. Urshan agrees vehemently. Don't think that'll go down too well. I do like the idea of just coming back with his head to the longhouse. That sounds delightful. I was really thinking about challenging him directly. However, I think you're right in that he's going to chicken out. I don't know. I, I'm still leaning towards challenging him, but I think we should be ready for like a full on fight. But I also have seen these folks fight and I think that we could take the folks who are with uh, Iron Tusk on the hunt. I don't want to mess with booby traps. No, yeah, me either. <laughs> What about the rest of you? What do you think? Agnar's got the call, of course, but... 
<clears throat> Urshan signs that he wants the option that is that is going to be the most effective, but with the uh, or lowest collateral damage. He doesn't want anyone else to get hurt. Unfortunately, the Jarl kind of just needs to go, but he doesn't want anyone else to, to have to die or anything like that. So like blowing it all up is out. Slaughtering the whole lot generally is something he wants to avoid. At least like killing the Jarl in his sleep doesn't sound bad, but killing everybody in their sleep, yeah, that's... That's not something he's willing to engage in. You can't uh, put a price on a good symbol, so taking his hat is uh, probably a pretty good choice. If you ask me, Agnar. Do we have archers in our group, though? Like, I don't know if we can just pew pew pew. No, I meant, like, in his sleep, more than likely. Oh, got it. I, I can shoot a crossbow, don't get me wrong, but uh, I'm not an archer. You could lay in wait and strike the hunting party while uh, everybody else is in there and it's just Rook and Fang and like, I don't know, a couple couple of the head. Then that's, you might have to kill a couple of the gods and Rook, but like, then once you get the head, that's fealty right there, right? Yeah, I think that's the best option is trying to strike while uh, there's not a lot of people around. There's only like a couple of people we have to worry about. I think that's a good option, but I also think we might could just disable everyone else in the party and kill only him. That's a, a bridge we can burn when we get there. Love that for you. <laughs> um, it, it mostly depends on how loyal those particular people are to. Yeah, that's true. You know, if they're not going to swear fealty regardless, then they're not going to swear fealty regardless. They're only bound and pledged to him while he's alive. Yeah. So So if you get in there, you only do damage to him. Get him down, they got nothing to fight for, right? Yeah, but here's the other thing. Supposedly. I would like to take him as... I, I would like to take him as alone as I can, but... I don't want to get overwhelmed if he hides behind his guards, so maybe we should go in as a group. Because I could take a lot of guys, but I also don't want to die fighting Iron Tusk of all people. That would be embarrassing. It would be embarrassing. So yeah, let's wait till they're all separate and attack the hunting party. Man, it'll be fun to just chop his head straight off. Smash cut. You have the axe. <laughs> bared down on Iron Tusk. Real smash cut, though. With, with that plan in mind, you decide to wait at the hunting cabin out of view as as what you expected arrives. This is the, the scouting party. Agnar, you recognize one of the two here. You recognize a famous warrior who is part of uh, the Heard when Gleb was more directly in charge before he uh, became Kooning. And this warrior is Bjarni, not purple. Did I name this character? Bjarni, not purple, was legendary for his ability to hold his breath. And not, not turn purple. The other one, you do not recognize. 
I need you to describe what you are viewing as uh, Bjarni, not purple, and the other orc are uh, scouting out the house and making preparations. What activities are they engaging in? They are gathering firewood and stuff to get things unlocked. They are opening up all the doors, letting the light in, sweeping things out really quick, just making sure it's homey and warm for the last hunt of the season. I imagine one specific moment where like one of them grabs like a, a cup, like a flagon, if you will, from the, the shelf and like kind of looks in it and then goes and then Oof, dust just goes right like all yeah. over their face. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm sure they're there like filling up the watering troughs outside the uh, lodge. Give me stealth checks as you avoid engagement. I can't. I can't make the the joke ah. about my dark silver forged dice. You can still make the joke. I mean, I can, but it's it's not an ad anymore. Whoa! Oh. Uh, ten. But yeah, I got twenty. Oh, uh, stealth check. It's gonna be ten. Solid. Good job, everybody. Middle of the road. Mm-hmm. Average stealth. Yes, everyone. Average. What did you roll, Grimton? <laughs> Four. <laughs> Solid. Well, that that's a, that at least makes sense. Like it would be it would be harder, I think, to can story. We, can we average them all together? Sorry, what was yours? Like nat twenty. Uh, uh, what would the average of that be? Like eleven would be the average, which isn't terrible, though it is concerning. So, uh, tell me, what was Grimton doing that got Grimton nearly noticed? Uh, he just wasn't paying attention. He got distracted by one of these trees and how similar yet different they are than the ones near the heaving back that he was just like, huh, it's kind of homey up here. Like who would have thought? He looked up and he noticed these two orcs and he decided to like skip behind a tree and like get sideways, you know, like in the cartoon. Not too effective. To be clear. You are not trying to engage Bjarni, not purple, and this other unknown orc. Yep, you are correct. Hey, tell me about this other unknown orc. What are the descriptive qualities about them? Bjarni's companion is absolutely purple. <laughs> skin-toned purple? Yeah, skin-toned purple. Um, but only faintly so. It's like a in the right light kind of thing. People are like, are you purple? It's a strange um, hue, like the, the undertone of somebody's skin. Exactly. And also doesn't know how to swim. Cannot swim at all. Fair. <laughs> how do you know that this companion cannot swim? Just has a look about him. <laughs> just that not swimming look. Yeah. You know, just no, in, in the like, village, because we're a seafaring folk, if you can't swim, you wear like a, a little a little yellow bracelet. Oh, so people that. know to bracelet. keep an eye on you near the water. Swim test. That's yeah, hilarious. you don't have to wear it once you pass your swim test. I'm here for government swim testing, <laughs> like local government swim testing. I think that's pretty good. When it's an issue, you gotta... That also means that there is a swim camp and swim lessons. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> facilitated by Indofilk. Swim school? At the at the community center, like in the, in the yard house, we have like a little pool where everybody learns to swim. Almost everybody. 
I just want to imagine that the class entirely consists of adults just throwing children as far into the water as they can and waiting oh, for them to make it back. Trial by just fire. like, yeah. and that's that's it. There's your swim lesson, man. Yeah, and then there's somebody at the end when like the kids aren't doing well. They're like, I guess we got to pick that one up. They'll try again tomorrow. Uh, I like uh-huh. the idea that not purple also has a wristband that also can't swim. <laughs> oh, can hold his breath. Can't yeah. hold his so breath. Long. Well, they can't hold his breath. And, and that's it's like a thing for him, right? Like so like yeah. so like everybody's like, oh do you can't swim? He's like, listen though, I can hold my breath longer than any of those people in there. Like he t- he takes it very personally. Here here's how Bjarni not purple gets away with it. He sinks to the bottom and then walks out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, I, I don't know why they won't pass me. That's pretty much swimming. He survived two shipwrecks. Like, yeah. <laughs> he just walks along the bottom to the shore. <laughs> okay, okay, wait. So, so I like this, though. So, like, he, he has survived it's two like shipwrecks. It's like when you have the iron boots. Right, exactly. But the lady that officiates the tests is just this, like, crotchety old lady <laughs> who's been doing this, like, forever. And despite the fact that he can do that and like you know win by not playing she still won't she pass, him. pass him <laughs> no yeah. i won't pass you yeah oh it's Stop absolutely asking. that you're gonna have to try again like that kind of just like <laughs> all right bjarni we'll see you in a week uh-huh. comes in on a tuesday <laughs> second day Sorry, second day. Tuesday. No, it was a third day. Damn it. I don't remember if Tuesday it's, is second it's third day. Thursday. Third day. It's third day. Okay. Third day and then Wednesday. Third day, Wednesday. Well, that was a stupid bit. <laughs> no. I'm so glad that we record this. That was world building. Yes. <laughs> it's only a stupid bit if we don't keep it. If we just throw it all out. That's true. It's if we throw it all out. But if we keep it, it's, it's canon. It's canon. It's world building. We may need the Endelfike swim school later on. <laughs> Not May, you will. <laughs> <laughs> so eventually, uh, is it is it Bjarni or Companion who returns back to Indelfilk to say that the preparations are made? Bjarni. It's just you and the unknown Companion. You do know, Agnar, that on these swim bracelets is printed the name of the person that they are assigned to. Now would be a good opportunity, if you wanted to, to learn the name of this companion. I feel like we should, because Joe's giving us the opportunity to. Are you gonna? Oh yeah, I don't care. I just think it's a really funny way to to do this. It's like, we have to tackle him and like, look at it. Like this guy doesn't know we're there. Doesn't somebody have a spell where they can be sneaky and invisible? Somebody. Not me. Apparently not, Zach. Uh, I might. I don't remember. Can your unseen servant see? I do not have invisibility. I do have invisibility. I just, I can just go invisible. Who's the fastest? Not I. Probably you. I'm only fast when I'm ragey. Huh. I wonder if there's somebody here who has a, a telescope. Yeah. I wonder. Uh, probably me. Um. The plot essential telescope that got you to the astral sea, you goofballs. I'll look through the telescope and see if I can see. Give me a perception check. Uh, 15. This subject is not holding still. Oh, they don't just pose? <laughs> the name that you're able to come up with, Alaris, is Magnus Magnuson. 
Uh, I think this is Magnus Magnusson. Love it. Hmm. Does that ring any bells? Not a single bell rung. Eventually, after some time, the entire party of the the Jarl and Entourage show up. There in the Entourage is clearly Jarl Rook Iron Tusk. Tell me about the way that Rook Iron Tusk arrives. Like, is is this uh, what was it called? Where like there's a, the little seat thing that you sit on while that's being hauled along by the people. Palanquin. Yeah, is there a palanquin or is this like just a fancy horse? Is there a, a wagon? First time I've heard that word ever in my life. R- really? Wagon? It's pretty common. Yeah. Uh, have one I, like, I think I missed that week in uh, history class every time. It might be palanquin. I thought it was palanquin. What is Iron Tusk arriving on? Just a normal chair that he has forced two people to carry. Um, so it's like, cause like, like a palanquin or a palanquin or a palanquin or whatever, it has like appropriate handholds and like, you know, all that. This not, not. No, this ain't that. This is just this like is a- classic like Jewish wedding. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. What's well, a bigger chair? So there's like more to grab onto here. A throne, a perhaps. Bigger dude. And but like no handholds for this thing. They're just they're struggling. Like it's a miracle that they got here without dropping it. There are two people who are uh, in charge of holding this chair, the throne. This is somebody that you recognize, Agnar, as Macligir Strongarm, and. Urshan, you recognize from your talks with the concubines uh, as somebody called Headface. <laughs> Headface. Headface. Now, Macligir's strong arm. I bet you could figure out why they got their name. But Urshan, remind remind me how uh, Headface got their name. I think Headface is just one of those people that is just like so unremarkable. Just like well, so like exceptionally bland that like no one can pick them out of a crowd they're like i think that's them you know so interesting so they always get described as being like they've got like a Uh, like a head and like a and a a face that looks like that so like just like entirely unremarkable person the the Jarl's Heard is generally made up of extraordinary individuals, right? These are the strongest of the strong in, uh, in the whole filk, which is what, how you get people uh, like Bjarni Notch Purple and uh, MacLeague's Strongarm. And then there's Headface. To see, see you, you like many, uh, mistake Headface because Headface here has an incredible resume. Like one of the smartest ah. people there, right? Um, lots of skills, just just the personality of a saltine cracker. Like it's like so, like they do so much stuff like to keep things running that nobody notices. Cause they're like, there for merit, not for personality. Exactly, like they, and uh, well, but like nobody even, it's one of those things that like, if you were to ask somebody directly, they're like, what does Headface do here? The people are like, I don't know. 
I don't, I don't really know, but that's so not how because did Headface get the job. Well, because to the concubines, it's it's not because Headface isn't doing that stuff. Headface is like carrying the team. Yeah. Uh, just in, in this case, literally the Yarl. Right, right. Um, like need was high, and like this, the the bar for entry was low when when they got the job. They were like, I guess you'll do, and then they absolutely crush it at this job, but then nobody notices. Oh. I also like how we we have made basically everyone in Iron Tusk's entourage just like a cartoon character. Like they're all like, like fully ridiculous, weird people. Speaking of people that you know through the concubines, Urshan and Agnar, Agnar, you both recognize an orc by the name of Skin Sliver. Skin Sliver is the Skilder master. Skilder is orcish for servant. And it is Skin Sliver who is in charge of managing the concubines. Skin Sliver is a pimp. That like his job at the longhouse is pimp. Hmm. Oh, I'm sure he prefers concubine manager. Skildermaster. Is that a real word? S-K-Y-L-D-R is a real Old Norse word for servant. Cool. He actually prefers senior Skildermaster, but nobody will add that like modifier to his title. Mostly because there's no junior or a Yeah, there's no other one. He just like wants to feel more elevated. He's that kind of guy, you know, fragile masculinity and all that. Urshan, I, d- I don't have to describe all the atrocities uh, that Skin Sliver has been named as being a part of. Mm-hmm. No, upon upon identifying him, like Urshan is filled with a sort of quiet but seething rage. You also recognize a concubine that is there, only one, who's called Ophild. The Breasts is the common moniker that the Jarl and the Heard have named her, just The Breasts. You know her as Ophild. Sheesh. Mm-hmm. She's kind of a favorite plaything. And Agnar, you recognize Fang, your little kid sister. Now, Alaris and Grimden, I want you to give me perception checks, please. Ooh, okay. Uh, six. You do not perceive. Alaris is like digging something out of his eye, like at that <laughs> moment. Nineteen. Grimton, there is one more a part of uh, the Heard. This is, this is not the same person that you met earlier. This is a different subject uh, whose skin has a base color of purple. And you make the connection of perhaps related to Magnus Magnuson. The the Jarl's party does arrive. Mechlegir's strong arm and headface set down the throne. Jarl Rook Iron Tusk gives them an order! You can remember that he talks very loud and very powerful all the time! Oh yeah, I remember another reason why I hate this guy. We're going in, and we're gonna drink tonight. And tomorrow, we're gonna go hunt the boars. And everybody else is going, yay, yay, yay. We gotta do it. We gotta do the group yay. Here we go. Count us down, Joe. Three, two, one. Yay. (laughs) A couple of like polite, like. Woo. You can tell that Iron Tusk is super stoked, and everybody else is like, yeah. <laughs> this, is the, this is the last one of the season. Yeah, like, Headface we've been doing is like, this all dang year, like, whatever. Headface is super hype, but nobody cares. <laughs> 
it's very it's a very quiet hype so it's unremarkable he just does like yeah like a fist into the air like but it's silent he just the night passes and you can see the silhouettes of the jarl's party going on inside the lodge the next morning there's commotion who took watch last night alaris (laughs) That's why my perception was so low. Yes. Yeah, I'm sleepy. Alaris, what was remarkable about last night? What happened last night that was worth or not staying up for? Not much remarkable happened last night, but the slight purple tinge of Magnus and Magnus's other family member does kind of glow in the dark. Oh, interesting. Ooh. Is that an honest to the gods uh, bioluminescence there, or is it just like the way that the moon was hitting it seems to glow? Who's to say, you know? Who's to say? (laughs) I feel like that evolutionarily Um, is... It's not good. Yeah. (laughs) Not bad, some might say. Other than that, it was just like Iron Tusk drinking and being very loud. Everyone else playing along, but... Not nearly to the same extent. The one person that was totally bought and sold on the antics of uh, Iron Tusk is Skin Sliver. Yeah, sure. Like, Skin Sliver is there, but in a gross, dripping with sweat sort of way. Not that he's trying hard, but like, there's just something about him that just makes you go, Yeah. Ugh. That man loves his job. Like, like yeah, couldn't, yeah. could not have more passion for that. his craft. Yeah, agreed. Um, yeah. part of why he's such a terrible human, person, or not human, or orc. Yeah. The next day, everybody mounts up. There are a couple different parties. There's, there seems to be a bet going on, or, or some sort of interaction. Uh, everybody, give me insight checks, please. All right. Oh. Oh boy. It's a two on the dice, so. Oh boy. It's a. It's a four. That's a six. Nat 20. Dang! <laughs> the only person who can understand any sort of bet going on is Urshan, who sees there appears to be two parties dividing themselves up here. There's the Jarl and Fang, others accompanying them, and then there's Skin Sliver and others. And you can tell based off of the mannerisms going on and the uh, playful harassment between Iron Tusk and Skin Sliver that there is a competition between, a rivalry between the two uh, about this hunt in particular. There's the Jarl and Fang as as group one and uh, Skin Sliver as group two. I want you to tell me who you see going into uh, which group from the Heard? To, to give you some quick names again, Bjarni Not Purple, Magnus Magnuson, Headface, Strongarm, uh, and the other one whose name that you don't know, but is a- uh, The other Magnuson. The other Magnuson. Headface is absolutely going with the Jarl, um, and, and so is Not Purple. Um, specific, specifically because not purple 
is talking to Headface and like talking about his ability. Um, and Headface is the only one that will just sit there and like listen. Take it. Yeah. <laughs> so they're they're like going together and they're both going with the Jarl. Okay. I picture the Magnuson brothers oh. sticking together and going with Magnus Magnuson, the sibling is a uh, a woman, a, a lady. The ah, in this case, so, I which, which the... presumably is Magnuson and Magnus' daughter, D-O-T-T-I-R. Oh, right. Daughter. I picture... I. It's even funnier that I'm going to be calling Magnus Maggie in my brain, um, in that he is... That does yeah. get it confusing. I was going to say I would picture the Magnuson boys sticking together, but in this case, I think I picture them like... Huh? being more like at odds and splitting up so i'm gonna say yeah kind of a competition uh, right? yeah i'm gonna say maggie magnuson going with the uh, skin sliver is that's the name mm-hmm. skin sliver okay skin sliver and, and then magnus daughter going with the jarl who we got left strong arm i think just for the sake of not being so one-sided they should go with skin sliver and I think they do it for that reason too, to keep a, the gamesmanship alive. I'll say also, part of Magnus Daughter's reason is that even though like what Skin Sliver does is like both legal and like normalized within the society, like Magnus Daughter still doesn't like want to be around him. Like he's still a creep. He's still gross. Uh, and he almost definitely hits on her for sure. Oh yeah. And so she's like, take me anywhere. I'll even hang out with Headface over here on purpose. And uh, so she she's definitely just avoiding skin sliver. There's some weird dynamics going mm. on. Who's in the Jarl's party? I have Fang and Magnus' daughter. Fang, Headface, not purple, and Magnus' daughter. Headface, not purple. Got it. Skin sliver, Magnus, Magnuson, and Strongarm are in the other group. And thus... The hunt begins. This show would not be possible without the generous financial backing of our Patreon supporters. Today's episode was brought to you by Adam Guta, Brian, Chris Kimball, Dan Bauer, Daniel Tan, Lena Nabusi, Lucia, Mark Williams, Michael Callahan, Ryan, Thor, and Yona. Thank you, each and every one. We would not be able to share this story with the world without your help. Music in this episode was written and performed by our friends Blake Bost, Orman Audio. Our logo and the extensive maps on our website were done by Daniel Grayling. Emmeline Kelly drew our character art, and our website was built by Labor of Love Graphics. Our role-playing system is 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons published by Wizards of the Coast, who we hope will keep the focus of the game on community over profit. A large-scale dream was played by Zach Weaver. Jesse Lemus played Grimton Steady Hand. Agnar Elfbreaker was played by Sarah Zimmerman, and Urshan Bethethnosh was played by Stephen Sivils. I'm the Dungeon Master, Joe Love. Thank you, friends. Uh, what would the average of that be? What, what 20, if, 10, uh, 4, and... Zach, what'd you get? 11 would be the average. Look at you go, Zach.
I admire how fast you can do math. That's pretty cool. I, mean, I, have, to, I have to do it for a living. So. Sarah got a degree in it and you still kick her ass. Yeah, I don't actually do math. I just talk about it all the time. Sarah got like a higher math degree. So like... <laughs> let, me, let me tell you about the... The new the new tessellation they just came up with. It's very cool. Tessellation, like the pattern thing? Mm-hmm. There's a new oh, one. Is this that... a thirteen side one? It never repeats, yeah. That's that was pretty cool. I did see that. It's incredible. Have you uh have you ever seen that thing about like the most efficient way to put boxes in a single box? Is it math? Put seventeen squares in another square. Oh, um, those are so neat. It's basically it is... an approximation problem. It's absolute bullshit. I want to show you guys this. Yeah, it, it's silly. It's it's going to hurt your feelings. So hold on, look. Look at that image. That is the most efficient way. I hate that so much. Where the, what the? That's so bad. I love those. Uh, the peculiar pattern arises as a consequence of sinking the smallest possible square that can fit 17 unit squares. Um, so it's about finding a, the, uh, a bigger square that can fit them all in there, but you then have to get creative. Yeah, this is the smallest one, yeah. Yeah, and it's just like- I love these. such bullshit. Uh, but this is what I think about when I think about like Sarah's math degree. Oh yeah. Like this kind of, <laughs> like this is, that's the kind of math that's that Sarah does. That's the shit I was doing, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I gotta love geometry and interminable shit. Interminable shit. That's the next punk band, Interminable Shit. <laughs> uh, let me add it to the list. Skip behind a tree and like get sideways, you know, like in the cartoon. Not too effective, but I think they were occupied. Like, uh, like, it, like it would cronk? do the trick. Cronk. Yeah. Sue us, Disney. No, don't sue us, Disney. Or not. They will. How much do you think they would try to buy us for? Two hundred dollars, three hundred, zero dollars. You think we could get three hundred dollars? You think we could we could sell it for that? That feels low, but three fifty. What is what is the worth of something like this monetarily? How do you like? We could probably come up with some bullshit numbers, and but you got to project for growth and from the time already spent. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Can your unseen servant see? I don't think so. Uh, I do have invisibility. I just unseen, just not unseeing. Well, yeah, so it should be able to see. Like, hey, go yeah, look at that Yeah, but does mean shit. it can talk? Like, like, what's it gonna do? Come back and it, you can't even see it, it like it gesture knows, or- it knows, Oh, it's unseen. Steven, Steven, you are playing a silent character, you ableist fuck. <laughs> yeah, but I'm like corporeal invisible, so like, whatever. Yeah, not like those invisible people. Is there an entire race of human being, or uh, an entire race of like people? who just are invisible and that is you their- You know, in reality, that's a really good question. Well, that's like the dark <laughs> matter there? question and there is dark matter. And then there's all that shit that's not dark They matter. would also have to not emit heat for us to not have noticed them. I see what Joe's getting at. Like you mean in, in real life, like what if there's just a whole society of yeah. fully invisible people? If there's not. How do you know? Because we would know. How would we know? Because they're invisible. Yeah, but there's other ways to measure things being there. Mm -hmm. Don't be ridiculous. <laughs> I 
I'm about to send you in uh, the patron secrets the way that I accidentally wrote Strong Arm's name on my paper. I'm so ready to see it. I kind of like it. It's an accident, but I like it. Strong, strong arm? It strong, definitely looks like it. Strong arm? It definitely looks like it says frong arm. Frong arm, um, yeah. Frong arm. That's their nickname. Well, I was gonna say, my headcanon is, that's how he writes his name every time. Mm. Is it signature? Yeah, well, and so gets called frong arm a lot. Um, Which is like, insulting because he's also got a really bad lisp. Oof. Yeah, and so he has to correct people, and then it just doesn't go well. The only person who consistently gets it right is Headface. But he like he likes that little bit of conflict, so he keeps writing it that way. He could change it. Yeah, yeah, he, he <laughs> totally could. He doesn't have dysgraphia or anything. Homie can write just fine. He just chooses to write it this way. <laughs> Just chooses to put it a, a confusing guess. That, that little argument that at way. the Starbucks is like his best moment of the day. <laughs> and it happens every morning. <laughs> well, not nah, only when he goes somewhere new because yeah, like he relishes they know when there's a now, new face yeah. at the counter. He's like, ah, new victim. When he says his name uh, at the Starbucks or at Fantasy Starbucks to, to describe his name, like, he lifts up his arm and points at the muscle. No, frog arm! <laughs> Fr- frog arm! That's what he does. While pointing aggressively. I think we should let listeners name Fantasy Starbucks. <laughs> Fantasy Starbucks, where all the drinks are free. Because, like, I like the idea of there being, there being a, like, kind of cusp-wide, like, coffee shop chain. Well, that... what's, the, what's the coffee that we tried in that one place? Oh, um... Oh, uh, yeah. The really expensive stuff? No, because, see, that was, like, that's fancy third wave, like, coffee. We got to get... This is proletariat coffee. Yeah, like, this is, this is, it's Starbucks. Like, it has to be the same. Yeah, it's, it's not, like, Folger's Maxwell House. It's one above that and almost as ubiquitous, except Folger's and Maxwell House are both, uh, like, household items. Mm Mm-hmm. You don't, you don't buy, well, I mean, you do, you can. The common people do not buy Starbucks ground coffee. If I remember my waves of coffee correctly, think places like Starbucks, I guess Starbucks might would technically be third wave coffee, but it is like closer to second wave coffee. First wave is like home coffee, like the, the, the shitty stuff. Uh, second wave would be like Dunkin' Donuts where you like go and pick it up somewhere and like Starbucks might could fit in that. And third wave is like fancy coffee with latte art. Starbucks is definitely second, buddy. Well, but they make like, it's you, it's it's a mass produced attempt at third wave, third wave coffee. Fair, yeah. Pseudo third. Pseudo third, yeah. That's a great punk band name as well. Third wave coffee, and it's a ska band. <laughs> That's very fun. Yeah, lots of offbeat trumpets. The fact that this coffee's free makes me think that all the cuspal governments have subsidized, like, the caffeine addiction in the continent. Which is a real problem because it's, it is very much like a... Uh, like a banana republic sort of situation <laughs> going on. Like there's definitely some huge exploitation of workers in the cleared labyrinth. To uh, that's exactly where I was going to say coffee definitely is. 
I I love that we will like shit post so hard. Like we'll spend like ten minutes talking about this like stupid nonsense, and it gets real. And then Joe will ask us like, well, and then Joe will ask us like a like an important decision. We're like, I don't know. We we'll go over there, I guess. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but like we'll fully flesh out the lore of a coffee shop. <laughs> That was because of the way that this strong John arm wrote, wrote down yeah. a name. It's important. Anyway, what were we doing? <laughs> oh, we we're splitting up the groups. Skin Sliver, Magnus Magnuson, and Strong Arm are in the other group. Uh, B squad, as, as it were. were. <laughs> oh, P.S. Y'all need to still come up with a party name. Oh uh, no, we gotta wait at least an arc and a half before we pick something. <laughs> That's a real problem. This is only a four arc show. <laughs> Last episode, we're like, all right, guys, now we're gonna name oh, we the party. It. Yeah. <laughs> And from your side of things, it's very uninteresting because you're just tailing these characters. So you're going to have to give me stealth checks, please. What is the process of hunting boar like? I don't know anything about that. Also, my stealth is going to be a six. They run you up a tree. Uh, 23. Natural 20, bitch. This is this is what I get for getting that nat 20 on the insight roll when all you guys took a shit on it. And now it's like... I mean, I could have failed, so... This is my second nat 20 of the night. I don't know what's happening. Are you using those Dark Silver Forge? I am. Rip Dark Silver Forge. Like, that... I felt sad about that the rest of the day. I like, I've still been thinking about it. The, the the way that these hunters are going about the boar hunt, it, it, is, is, it is a spear-based combat. Not that they don't have other arms around them, but the most important thing that they have is a lance. Near the tip, maybe about uh, 18 inches deep from uh, spear point onto the half of the of the lance is uh, are, are two prongs that go out uh, perpendicular to the pole. Agnar uh, and probably Grimton you both understand the purpose of these perpendicular pokes, bars. Do you, out of character, y'all want to guess what these are for? They're to stop the goring or the rush of the boar. Precisely. Oh. This is a particular type of head. Oh, they're called lugs. Lugs are uh, so that the spear can penetrate, but not so deep. Oh, cool. It, it's, it stops the boar from running through the pain into the spear and attacking and hitting the, you yes cool this this team all all of these individuals have boar spears they will ride on horseback you know uh agnar pursuing boars yeah oh man uh, i don't want to take out a horse nobody likes to hurt horses they're it's also like that's a that's a huge expense that's true I have to pee, and we might as well stop a recording there.